Blog Talk Radio. Sixers Report with your host, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky Blomain. So we're just four days away from opening night here for the Sixers. Uh, you know, the preseason wrapped up on Friday in an ugly way, uh, you know, 81 to 65 loss to the Celtics. And now, you know, we're just awaiting cuts here, um, you know, to be completed by Monday afternoon. As always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. Um, and Friday, you know, was a big night for a few Sixers kind of looking to make it onto the roster, uh, specifically looking at power forward Christian Wood and point guard C.J. McConnell. You know, Wood had a 5.7 rebound night in 14 minutes and McConnell just two points and one assist in 17 minutes. Uh, Mike, have you... Um, you know, did you get a chance to watch that game and have these two players in your mind kind of done enough to make the roster? And so, you know, who are the hard cuts that Sam Hankey will have to make by uh, tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, I did have an, uh, have an opportunity to watch that game. Um, you know, overall throughout the preseason, one player that really did impress me that you mentioned was uh, TJ McConnell, um, you know, heading into camp and before prior to the preseason, uh, you know, personally, and I think a lot of other Sixers fans kind of wrote McConnell off as a guy that was, you know, invited to camp to kind of compete for a spot and, you know, challenge the other players. But no one, I don't think he was really viewed as a, you know, a legitimate option to really make the team as a potential backup point guard. And, uh, you know, I think his play throughout uh, training camp and the preseason games has really, um, you know, helped his cause as far as making the team. I don't necessarily know if he will, but I do think he's, definitely made the, um, you know, made the decision to cut him a little more difficult with the way he's been playing. I think he's actually largely outplayed, uh, you know, Isaiah Cannon for stretches during the preseason and also uh, Pierre Jackson. Um, You know, Cannon obviously has that elite shot, but, you know, it seems like he still kind of uh, struggles to get the team into an offense and, uh, you know, in the open court. Those are some things that McConnell, you know, looked like he was really comfortable with, especially setting up the offense for the Sixers. Um, and, you know, he hustles really hard. He, he was diving for loose balls, uh, you know, just never taking a playoff. And, of course, you like that attitude on the team. So, uh, you know, that's someone that's definitely a player that I, I'm not necessarily saying I think he will make the team, but I, I definitely think that his play, um, you know, throughout this preseason has helped him. As far as Christian Wood goes, it was a little less uh, enthralled with his play than T.J. McConnell. I feel like he was solid. Um, you know, he's he's – a solid role player. I'm not sure with considering how the rest of the lineups are built so far, if he'll end up making, um, you know, making the squad this year, considering who else we have in the front court. But, uh, you know, I also like the energy that he brought to the, 
you know, the preseason games that I was able to see him play. So, uh, I mean, at least you have to give these guys credit for, you know, making the decision a little more difficult as far as who gets cut and who not than, uh, you know, maybe originally expected by, you know, some of the, the people to follow the team. Um, but what what were your opinions on McConnell? Do you think they'll, they'll be getting a shot? Yeah, McConnell, you know, he's really impressed me. I mean, obviously – He's also impressed Coach Brown a good deal. I mean, you know, Brown was kind of raving about his, you know, toughness and tenacity and just kind of that point guard intellect that he, he's shown on the court. Uh, you know, he he was talking about how he has a combination of speed and quickness. He has a great ability to push the ball from baseline to baseline. And, you know, his, his full court pressure on defense is, you know, just something to watch there, you know. Isaiah Cannon, like, like we talked about, great shot there. I don't know about his ability to run an offense. I don't know about his ability to play defense. And that's where I can see T.J. McConnell kind of, you know, balancing that out when, when he's on the court, you know, running the offense a little bit better, uh, playing better defense. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you're going to keep two point guards, uh, you know, obviously outside of Tony Roden and Kendall Marshall, I think those are the two you got to keep um, at this point. And, you know, the team will have to make, uh, you know, five cuts here. Uh, you don't really know the direction they're going in. You know, Sam Hinkie can always switch things up there. But at least, you know, Jordan McRae, you know, you got to figure he's off. J.P. Takoto, got to figure he's off. Pierre Jackson hasn't really done enough um, in the, the time he's shown here. You know, obviously he's coming off that groin injury. But you can't imagine he's, you know, going to be on the team after what he showed there. Uh, Scotty Wilbekin actually played fairly well in the preseason, you know, in the scoring department. But, um, you know, when you have Isaiah Cannon, that's kind of uh, a similar role that he's going to play. So you're not going to keep two guys like that. I, I think Wilbekin's off. And, you know, the guy who's going to be really sweating it out, um, you know, these next two days here, is Furkan Aldemir in my mind. Um, but what do you think, you know, in terms of Furkan's play that you see in the preseason? Do you think he's played himself out of a roster spot? You know, it's, t- it's tough to tell. I think, you know, both you and I have been fond of Furkan, um, you know, since he's been acquired by the Sixers, at least just to be able to say his last name on the air. Um, <laughs> With saying that, I don't necessarily think he played himself out of a roster spot, but I don't necessarily think he played himself into one either. Uh, you know, he really didn't do anything throughout the preseason that, you know, we kind of didn't already know that he could bring to the table. I didn't really see, um, you know, too much development from him throughout the course of the preseason. And with it almost makes me wonder, you know, we were talking about Christian Wood and obviously there's Sean Holmes, uh, you know, Nerland, Jalil. It almost makes me wonder if they'll, at this point, you know, after Furkin has already – kind of had a test run with the team last year, played played in some games. It almost makes me wonder if they'll, they'll opt to go in, a, you know, a different direction um, with the front court and kind of, you know, just pass on Aldemir for this, um, you know, for this season. If I had to guess, I, I don't think he'll, he'll be on the roster, cut, uh, you know, once cuts are finally made. But like you said, it, it's really kind of hard to decipher exactly other than, you know, the core group of guys that we know are going to be on the roster. The uh, All the guys that are kind of on the perimeter there, it's really kind of tough to tell exactly – you know, which direction they're going to go with the cuts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as Aldemir goes, I like what he brings to the court. You know, he's a great offensive rebounder. He hustles. Uh, you know, he can play a little bit of D. But, you know, that's really all I saw from him in the preseason. I just, I just don't know if it would really be enough for him to solidify a spot on the squad again, you know, going forward with the season. 
Yeah, I mean, aside from his kind of 12.14 rebound game against the Wizards, he's really done nothing in the preseason to kind of show any kind of improvement or kind of expanded skill set deserving of a roster spot. I mean, Wood, on the other hand, has has shown some, you know, untapped potential here. Uh, You know, he's a very intriguing prospect. He said that, you know, he feels like he's done enough to make the team at this point. And Brett Brown's kind of, you know, raved about his potential in practice. You know, if the last spot comes down between, you know, these two players, do you think Wood is the guy that, that you would keep? Yeah, honestly, I think at this point he is the guy I would keep just based off. You know, he showed some potential like you kind of just alluded to. And, uh, you know, as much as I like Furkin, I kind of think we've seen his ceiling. Like, I I don't really know how much better he can get at at, given his skill set. You know, I think Christian Wood is just a a guy that, uh, you know, he kind of sees the opportunity that was in front of him in camp and, um, you know, preseason games. And I I think he can – you know, it's yet to be seen whether he can really be like a legitimate NBA rotational big, uh, you know, big um, in a lineup. But I think, uh, you know, this year would be an excellent opportunity for him to get a get a chance. And uh, you know, considering the skill set, I do think he'll be uh, will be making that team uh, as probably the last cut. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's done enough. Uh, you know, he's only registered one double double in the preseason, but if that last game is is kind of any indication there to grab, you know, seven rebounds in, in 14 minutes. I think that, you know, that was a good kind of going out point for him. And, you know, I think that's really all he had to kind of do there to get that last roster spot. Um, yeah, but, you know, a lot of untapped potential. Obviously, you know, everyone saw that dunk he had, uh, you know, against the Knicks there and, you know, that three-pointer. Um, you know, he, he does have a little bit of a shot there. Obviously, he needs to develop. But, you know, that's one thing Firkin has shown is he doesn't have much of an offensive game at all. Um, you know, he can definitely rebound the basketball. But, you know, do you want to, to get a player with a little more of a skill set there and would? You know, my, my guess is, yeah. You know, I think he's going to be the last one on the team as well. You never know what they're going to do with Carl Landry. He's kind of the wild card when it comes down to the Cubs here. Um, but, you know, from what I've heard and uh, what I've read, you know, he he seems like he's going to be a set roster spot there, um, just as like a veteran leader in the locker room. So, you know, when it comes down to the last cut here, I would say, you know, Firkin's out, Wood's in, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do here with, uh, you know, some more extended minutes and an expanded role on the team. Um, but, you know, the, the injury bug, uh, it's it's been going around all off season. Um, it continues continues to go around here. You know, it, it now hit Robert Covington. Uh, you know, it's been reported that he'll be out two weeks with a sprained MCL and bone bruise in uh, his right knee. So he joins Joel Embiid, Tony Roten, Kendall Marshall, Nick Stauskas as players. You know, potentially injured to start the season. You know, how frustrating and tough is it for Brett Brown right now, Mike? I mean, to be saddled with injuries like this constantly, especially with a young team that hasn't really played together all that much. Yeah, I think it it has to be frustrating and tough for everyone, uh, you know, involved in the organization from, you know, Hickey and, uh, you know, Scott to Brett to just the fan base. I mean, it's tough enough kind of, you know, going through the rebuild as it is and then to have, you know, some of the guys that you're really looking forward to watching develop or, you know, to see if they work out with the team, 
you know, having so many of them battle injuries at the same time when your roster is already, you know, basically kind of, you know, depleted off of real NBA talent. It's just tough. And, you know, for Covington, luckily, um, you know, the last report I saw was that I think it was just, uh, you know, a sprain and then he was only going to miss a couple of weeks. Um, you know, obviously that will mean he's out for the opener, um, the home opener, probably the first maybe handful of games of the season, but at least it's not a, you know, a long-term issue, which after seeing his fall initially, I was very concerned about, um, you know, Covington, for me personally, is one guy probably other than, you know, the obvious, you know, I'm interested to see how Okafor plays and, you know, Noel's development. But other than those two, um, Covington's the guy on this roster that I, I'm really most for, most looking forward to watching this season. Uh, you know, I think he's really in position for a, a big breakout year. Um you know, he kind of uh, obviously we both saw him get better and develop throughout the course of last season. He was named to the, uh, you know, as a participant in All Star Weekend, and I think you know he started to get his name known, um, you know, across the league a little bit. I really think this year, especially with the way the Sixers' offense is going to be set up with so much of the offense running through Okafor in the post and you know looking to kick it out to shooters, I think Covington could really you know benefit from the. the the personnel on the team and the um, offensive scheme, and I'm just—I think he's poised for a big season. Uh, so it's definitely unfortunate that it has to start off with him, you know, on the shelf for a couple weeks. And uh, you know, the point guard situation, like as you mentioned, has been really uh, hitting hit hard with the injury situation, which has been tough because it's been—you uh, know—it kind of makes it difficult to hash out the roster and get a real feel for the team when you know all during the preseason we were missing, you know, the guys the two guys and Tony Roten and Kendall Marshall that are probably going to be the main, you know, backcourt components. Uh, you're missing a, probably the biggest acquisition of the summer other than Jalil and Stauskas, uh, who, you know, I would have really liked to see get to play at least a little bit in the preseason, not that, you know, the preseason holds much weight, but it's nice to, you know, for a team that has so many new um, parts coming from different areas like the Sixers do, it would have been nice to see them, you know, kind of all get on the floor together for a little while, see how Stiles gets played off of Okafor in the post, if they had any sort of, you know, like repartee going back and forth. Um, so, you know, it's definitely tough and frustrating to see so many of these guys that we have on the roster not being able to play. Uh, hopefully, you know, they can all, come, you know, recover rather quickly. The timetable for Roten and Marshall seems kind of up in the air, still looking or around November, he passed leave in December for Roten, which is, you know, it's a long time. And considering the, uh, you know, how many guys the Sixers have on the roster without experience, and then you add in some injury, you know, issues, guys sitting out, it's, it's you know, it just kind of adds to the struggle of the season that looks like it's already going to be for the Sixers. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a tough thing. Yeah, you know, it definitely has to do something to you as a coach, Mike. Uh, you know, you, you look back to David Blatt last season, for a good fourth of the season there, you know, half his team was injured and, uh, you know, he had to find a way to kind of fight through it. And obviously, you know, everyone banded together towards the second half of the season there on that Cavs team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember interviewing Drexel coach, uh, Bruiser Flint for a story last year, uh, and just him describing to me how, you know, it makes things like practicing, you know, that much harder. I think he was down to like seven guys that he was able to, you know, practice with on a daily basis there. Um, and, you know, the, the Sixers have had enough bodies so far in camp to go a full, you know, five-on-five five in practice. But, you know, with cutting the roster now down to 15, you know, if anyone else gets hurt on this team, you know, there could be some trouble in that department. Um, you know, Flynn said to me something along the lines of, you know, we don't even have enough guys to practice. 
And, you know, when you add in inexperience to your team, it makes it that much harder. You know, I'd say that's a pretty similar situation to what the Sixers are going through right now. And, you know, there's a lot of guys on the team that haven't even had the chance to play in a game together yet. So, you know, do you see this becoming a major issue? You know, if someone else does get an injury and, you know, has to sit out any longer? Yeah, I think I do. I mean, it's tough to call it a major issue just considering the low expectations for the Sixers um, season anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not expected to win a lot of games. So, you know, injury issues leading to more potential losses, it's not like a major issue. But it is something I think that's definitely worthy of concern. As you mentioned, you know, it's tough tough when you don't have enough guys in practice to even really be able to run a full scrimmage, um, you know, back and forth just in a practice against each other. And like you said, also, it's it's tough to – you know, run a practice if you, you know, the guys you're kind of going to be relying on for the offense can't even, you know, be out there for, if you're working with three out of the five starters, um, you know, you're not going to get necessarily the same feel that you would in the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it's definitely um, a difficult situation. And like you said, with with guys that are not quite proving it, you know, the Sixers obviously have basically everyone other than Carl Landry, it's, you know, early 20s with very little NBA experience. So if you mix that with injury issues, I think you're going to see some, you know, some more struggles on the court with guys filling in, you know, playing more minutes than they're used to, maybe switching to positions that they're not quite used to on top of having to learn the new system and, you know, mesh with new players. I think, you know, it's not necessarily a huge deal, but I think it will show on the court eventually. And, you know, it won't help the the win-loss total this season, that's for sure. Once again, this is uh, the 76ers Report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky, Blomain. And, uh, you know, I've scoured the waiver wire a little bit, Mike, uh, for some potential names that Hinky might find a fit for on the roster. The first one that jumped out to me was Ish Smith, who obviously we all know. Uh, Boston cut Terry Jones, a guy that, you know, I highly touted coming into the, you know, 2012 NBA draft. And Quinn Cook is another intriguing guard that I could see Hinky examining greatly over the next couple of days. Mike, are any of these guys, you know, worth adding over the Sixers' current group? And, you know, we've talked about Ish Smith a lot in the offseason. Is it time for him to kind of finally rejoin this team? You know, it's funny. As soon as um, when Perry Jones is released yesterday, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter, uh, you know, saying exactly that, that he was, you know, he'll be a sixer by tomorrow. He's a hinky guy. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely share some of that sentiment. I mean, it, it would, uh, you know, go along with hinky's, um, you know, his whole plan as far as getting, you know, talent when it's, you know, cheap. It's been, you know, highly touted in the past. He was, uh, you know, it's still three years just away from being a first-round pick. Um you know, he's another big guy. Uh, they'll have him listed at, like, 6'11", 240. He's pretty athletic. I could definitely see the Sixers taking a shot on him. I'm not exactly sure, you know, where he would fit in the lineup considering, you know, the other um, front court options already there. But he was certainly talented in college. Um, you know, Taylor, he was, never really got a chance with the Thunder to play kind of in the shadows of some of their starters on that that good team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he seems like a guy that, although we haven't got to see play too much in the NBA, still should have uh, – you know, some talent and potential and upside to work with that the team could potentially take a look at. As far as Ish Smith goes, I thought, I did think that he would be back with the team coming into training camp, uh, you know, when they were without any point guards over the summer. I thought that bringing Ish back would be, you know, one of their 
one of the top options that they would do. But considering that they haven't, I don't necessarily know if I'll, if I'll see them bringing him back in. I think that they, uh, you know, Brett and Sam have both kind of alluded that they're not in like a, you know, any desperate desire to fill in the point guard spot immediately. And they were kind of going to let the guys that they already have in camp battle it out and see what those guys can bring to the floor. And, uh, you know, not that any of those guys, are elite, but I think between um, Marshall and Roden returning, and then just they still have, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the decision between McConnell and uh, Jackson and Wildekin and Isaiah Cannon. I think there's enough guys there that they're at least interested in to take a look at that they won't um, they won't feel it necessary to bring back Ish. I mean, he was I liked what Ish did with the team last year, especially uh, you know how Noel kind of blossomed once you know Ish was inserted in the lineup because he was really kind of able to set up the offense a little better than Mike and penetrate and get Noel a lot of you know open looks and alley oops down there. So it's not necessarily that you know he didn't play well enough to you know garner a second chance last year, but I just I feel like with the way the lineup is set up right now, I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll pass on him, uh, but Perry Jones. I mean, that's a, you know, it's definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on, and it, it would fit very well with, uh, you know, Hinkie's Hinkie's what he's done so far since he's been in Philly. So I, w- I wouldn't be shocked to see, um, you know, them, uh, you know, a, a story link in the Sixers and Perry. I would be slightly surprised with Ish. Um, Quinn Cook is another guy that's a possibility. You know, he, uh, I actually thought that he was going to end up sticking on Cleveland ahead of Jared Cunningham, but he actually flipped it and kept Jared and let Quinn go. Um, but I, I, pretty much the same as what I, what I said with, uh, Ish. I, I'm just not sure if the team's going to pick up another, um, you know, another fringe point guard to try out at this point. I think they have their hands full, but, uh, what do you think about, you know, those guys you mentioned and as far as if they might get a look from uh hinky and company? Well, obviously I'm in, intrigued by Terry Jones. Uh, I think he has a ton of potential and could turn the corner, you know, with the right coaching staff, obviously, you know, that's what Hinky's always looking for is that, that potential player um, that can do a lot of things. Obviously, you know, he is a, a very good defender that can defend multiple positions there um, at, at 6'11". I mean, just a huge wingspan, tremendous athleticism. And, um, yeah, I don't know if they'll bite, but I think the fit is here for Jones. Um, I think that if it's between Perry Jones and Christian Wood, uh, you know, that, that's a tough thing. You know, you can't really decide either way if they would go that route and, and pick up Perry Jones instead. But uh, if that roster spot's there and Hinky really values him as a player, I could, you know, see him go after uh, Perry Jones there. In, in terms of Quinn Cook, I mean, you know, I think he would be a solid backup point guard option. He's already had a great bond with Okafor, you know, their time together at Duke. And I think he'd help make his transition into the NBA a little easier if he came over. I mean, he only averaged 3.6 points and 1.2 assists in five games for the Cavs in the preseason. But, you know, I think there's potential with Cook uh, worth maybe like a speculative ad. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Hinky bites on any of these guys at the deadline. I mean, we all know what Ish Smith can do. Um, you know, he developed that bond with Noel that, that you mentioned. And, you know, I, I don't think that the team would take any kind of step back by adding him because we've already seen how he can gel in the offense, how he can run the offense. Um, Brett Brown knows what he can do. Sam Hinkie knows what he can do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think all three of them could potentially be added. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of right now, 
I don't know if they jump the gun and, and do something before the deadline. That might be something they'll do, you know, after the first couple of games or something. Um, but, yeah, you know, so at the moment, every NBA team has announced at least one cut, except for the Sixers. Are you surprised the Sixers are waiting until, you know, the last minute here, <laughs> or is it something you kind of expected with Sam Hinkie? Uh, it just seems like another thing that falls right in line with Sam Hinkie. Uh, you know, so why not? You know, they're trying to be last, and you know, as far as the record goes, why not be last when it comes to announcing your cuts? Uh, I think you and I were both kind of hoping that you know some of the cuts were announced prior to this show, uh, so we could you know kind of discuss them a little bit. But uh, you know, I, I've I've been you know by my phone for you know yesterday and today. I've been waiting to get a message or see something on Twitter about you know any potential cuts and. Uh, you know, they have to be made by tomorrow uh, afternoon. So my guess is sometime later today we'll probably see some uh, some in- information start coming in or, you know, tomorrow with the latest. But, uh, you know, I never really considered prior to today, which, you know, if they would be the, the last or the first. But it just seems, uh, I don't know, kind of ironic almost that they're the last team to announce the cuts, especially considering, uh, you know, the, the opinion of their talent level across the league. I don't think a lot of people have the highest uh, – you know, opinion of some of the players that the Sixers have even brought in, so to them, it's probably even funnier. Like, why are they taking so long to cut some, some <laughs> fringe NBA players? You know, I already saw a couple of jokes like that on Twitter. But, uh, I mean, I don't know why, what, what the play is. Hopefully, uh, it's very possible that, you know, they like we kind of discussed, they, they certainly have a couple of difficult decisions as far as, you know, who makes it and who doesn't. And I think those decisions were really only made more difficult by the play of guys like McConnell and Wood, um, you know, in, in preseason games. So, uh, you know, hopefully they're, uh, you know, really taking their time to figure out who they think will be the best fit. And then, uh, you know, hopefully we'll hear about it soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Zach Lowe on Twitter today posed a a pretty interesting question um, regarding one of our Sixers players. Uh, He said that only one player in the history of the NBA has posted 2.5 blocks and 2.5 2.5 steals in the same season. Um, and that man was Hakeem Olajuwon in the 1988-89 season. He asked if Nerlens Noel could be the second player to reach that feat this season. Mike, what do you think of, you know, Noel's chances there um, in, in those two statistical categories? I, I think they're pretty good, Jeff. I mean, it's it's tough to say that he'll definitely average, you know, two and a half blocks or two and a half steals, but you know, I think we're all aware of how this dominant he started to become defensively at the end of last year. Um, you know, the stat that's been cited over and over again was he was the only player in the league with, uh, you know, more than 100 steals and 100 blocks and to finish top 10 in both of those categories, which is super impressive for a rookie. And I almost feel like he's being undersold at this point, um, you know, as far as I think maybe just because he's not necessarily expected to be uh, – an explosive offensive guy that's going to average, you know, like over 20 throughout his career. I, I really think he's almost flying under the radar a little bit as a guy that's going into his second season and could, you know, really challenge as, as far as being the defensive player of the year and one of the best players in the league. Um, so, yeah, I do – I would give his shot pretty well, pretty good, uh, uh, you know, over 50%, even a, at averaging, um, you know, over two and a half of each of those categories. If not this year, uh, you know, certainly in, within the next few years of his career as he continues to develop – I also think I tweeted this out. They were, I was watching an NBA TV preview show um, a couple of days ago, and they were talking about the player that was most likely to record a five-by-five five game this season. 
Um, they uh, they settled on Kawhi Leonard, who's a great selection, but Nerlens wasn't even mentioned. And as I was thinking about it, I feel like he's a, uh, you know, he's as good as a candidate as anyone in the league to drop a five by five game this season. When we're talking about you know points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, um, you know he'll get the points, rebounds, uh, you know easily blocks and assists and steals. You know he could he could do the, all of that. Um, you know I think he could definitely put it together for one game to record a five by five game, which is a you know, a pretty neat little statistical anomaly and kind of just goes to show um, how versatile the player that records it is. So, you know, both of those, um, you know, little stat quirks, I think, are definitely achievable by Nerlens. Um, I, I think he's really in line for a, a pretty monster season statistically and just, uh, you know, a season that I think will really put most of the rest of the league on notice of what, you know, us as Sixers fans have kind of already got to see and are well aware of how potentially dominant Maryland's um, could be. I think this will be a great year, um, an opportunity for him to really take that next step and show it to the whole league. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Maryland's Noel, uh, you know, he averaged 1.9 blocks and 1.8 steals as a rookie last season. You'd have to imagine at least one of those uh, categories will increase in year two for him, uh, most likely, you know, blocks out of the two, but, you know, the steals will definitely be the hardest thing for him. Is it attainable? Sure. Uh, it's just too hard to predict. You know, it's something that, you know, will really just kind of come along. You think of Thaddeus Young as, as one of those big men that was just so good at getting into those passing lanes and, and creating turnovers. And Noel is definitely developing into that role. I just don't know if he's, you know, there yet in terms of how good he can potentially be at, uh, you know, stealing the ball, you know, consecutively on a game-to-game basis. Um, I think he definitely has it in him to do it, however. And like you were talking about with the the 5-5 game, I mean, you look back to last season and Noel's game against the Knicks, and he almost had that in that game. So, you know, I I think that's something that's attainable there as well. Um, He's definitely the most all-around player on the Sixers roster currently. Um, he can really do it all. Uh, you know, he hasn't really developed too much of an offensive game, but it, it's getting there. Um, we, we talked about his improved shot in the off season that he's been working on. And, you know, he really has the makings of just a complete all around uh, basketball player there, um, you know, in terms of blocks, in terms of steals, in terms of rebounds, in terms of points, just all across the board. So, um, you know, I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do in his, his second year here. And, you know, from what you've seen in the preseason, Mike, um, about, you know, Jalil Okafor's play, what has kind of impressed you the most there? And is there anything that, that worries you at the moment as uh, the season gets underway here? Um, yeah, so I had one thing about Noel too. Uh, I think it's, it was important to notice too how much he developed like throughout the course of last year. From you know, like just how much more confident and better he looked on the floor at Game 82 than he did at Game Two. And I think you know his stats obviously went up throughout the course of the season as his play and confidence improved. So I think you know this year he'll be starting the season you know in a higher with you know after another off season with his team and he's kind of settled into the leadership role with this team. I think he'll have. Uh, kind of an added confidence and drive to just go out there and produce from the beginning of the season. So I think, you know, I think his statistically at least we'll see a jump from him because there there won't be that, 
you know, a couple month period as there was last year in like November and December where he was kind of getting acclimated and, you know, was at times even timid or like confused on the court, uh, you know, which by no fault of his own, he's, you know, just the young kid and his feet wet, uh, you know, in the NBA. Um, and there was games there where he was only scoring, you know, two points, four points, only grabbing a couple of rebounds here and there. Um, and then, you know, by the second half of the season, post all-star break, his numbers were much more consistent, um, near near double double range as far as points and rebounds uh and his blocks and assists or blocks and steals rather also uh you know increased a little bit in the second half of the season so i think uh you know starting off this season with you know the momentum and confidence that he had in the last season and then just going up from there uh you know building upon that i think will really help him um this year just statistically and have a big season in general um but as far as okafor goes uh you know i think his preseason was interesting because it was there was a lot of good that you saw and a lot of things to get excited about, but there was also, you know, some uh, some things he was a little bit worried about. Um, you know, obviously on the offensive end, he was as advertised, you know, polished, uh, advanced for his age. He had great footwork. I forget what game it was. I think it was when they were playing the Cavs. Yeah. You know, he had an excellent drop step on someone in the post right from, right from the block and, you know, just lost them and went up for the layup. He uh, showed great touch, uh, you know, on his, you know, 10, 15-footer that, that first game when they were um, – he was going against Nene and the Wizards. He was uh, – you know, he started off uh, – it was either 4 for 4 or 5 for 5 from the field, and they were all, you know, little 10, uh, you know, 8-foot jumpers with Nene, who's one of the bigger bodies and better, you know, big guy defenders in the league. Um, you know, so I think he really showed that the offense for him is, you know, it's there, it's his advertised. He has really advanced footwork, nice touch, a, a good IQ in the paint and on the block. And, you know, he's just a guy that will be able to just dump the ball into, um, and he can, you know, he'll be able to look, find teammates if he gets doubled or just, uh, you know, create an opportunity for himself in the post with his, you know, just this way he knows how to use his body and his footwork. Uh, so I think that's really promising. Um, you know, the question marks are the same question marks we heard, um, you know, coming out of college about him. It was kind of tough to get a real feel for how good he was on the defensive end throughout the preseason. I mean, there was definitely some, uh, you know, some times where he was just getting, you know, physically handled uh, in the low post. Uh, a couple of those were Carsity and Nene, and then, you know, a few, a few other times throughout the, the preseason where, uh, you know, he was just getting overpowered in the post, wasn't really using his body Um as much as he should. My main concern too on that end of uh, the floor defensively was made like his footwork. He he's kind of like flat-footed almost, and I don't want to say slow, but um, maybe like a little bit slow to react to certain situations as they develop point guard penetration and kick out. Um, you know, and it's obviously preseason. I'm not. It's can't judge too much out of it. But basically, it, the preseason confirmed to me kind of what the scouting reports about him said um, coming into the draft you know, that he was a polished and ready to go offensive player who had, you know, maybe a little bit more work to do on the defensive and in the conditioning side of the ball. Um, although he got up and down the floor a little bit better than I, I was expecting him to. That was another, you know, another thing that, uh, you know, was reported about him a lot that he wasn't the best at getting up and down the floor in transition, which is, you know, obviously huge for the Sixers um, offense and the way Brett Brown likes to run. I know they've been stressing it in practice, but, you know, he seemed like, well, he, he wasn't, you know, flying up and down the floor like LeBron. He wasn't lagging behind the play, to, you know, to any extent either. You, I saw him even, you know, he had that really nice alley-oop pass to Noel on a fast break, and there was a couple other um, instances where he was out on the break actually ahead of some other players, which is nice to see. 
So, uh, you know, overall, I thought his preseason was, was pretty promising. I definitely liked what I saw. I mean, but at the same time, there was still, you know, a couple a couple of things to be worried about. Um, what was your overall opinion of um, Big John's preseason? Yeah, I mean, you have to be kind of excited about just his, his spin moves in the post, his touch around the basket. He even, you know, showed some shooting range in, in a couple of the games and, you know, that, that's what you love about Ja. That's what you hope Ja expands upon and, you know, doesn't come hard to him when the season begins. I'm, you know, a little worried about that little banged-up knee that, that kept him out at the end of the preseason. Uh, I hope it's it's nothing more serious than we're hearing. Um, but, you know, ho- hopefully it's ready to go when the season begins. I, I think that, you know, it, just being bodied in the post is something that's, really going to hurt him when the season begins. Uh, I mean, you you mentioned Nene just kind of, you know, overpowering him in the post there. Uh, you know, his conditioning, defense, and uh, just kind of, I guess, free throw shooting is, is something that going into the preseason, a lot of people, you know, knocked him down a crutch with. And I think those are all things that he still needs to work on and mainly conditioning is what's going to separate him between being, you know, an elite offensive player and just more of like, you know, a very good, uh, you know, more of like a role player on the team. So, um, you know, just like we said with Maryland, he's one guy that, that has to hit the weight room and, and has to really, you know, get that upper body strength, which will help him tremendously, uh, you know, when the, the season goes on. Uh, you know, a lot of comparisons to Al Jefferson, um, you know, that that's kind of the main guy that everyone says is, is a ceiling for Okafor. Um, so, you know, in order to do that, you've really got to overpower defenders. And, uh, you know, he has the moves to do that right now, but, you know, the next level is adding the strength to his frame. So we'll see how, you know, things uh, expand upon his game as the season progresses, but you know I'm really excited to see what he can do. Uh, it was a nice little uh, alley oop that he received from Nerlens Noel in the one preseason game, and I hope you see more plays like that as they get you know more comfortable playing with each other down low. Um, but you know once again this was uh, the the 76ers report. I'm your host Jeff McBenamin alongside Michael Kasky Blumain. Uh, you know, go out and follow us on the apps Stitcher or on Twitter at 76ers Report. And the long wait for the NBA season is finally arriving. And, Mike, I can't wait to, you know, bring our next episode uh, to, you know, our fans next week and, uh, you know, really talk about the regular season here and everything else. Yeah, yeah Jeff, I mean, it's pretty exciting that, uh, you know, next time you and I will be talking on here, we'll be, you know, we'll be talking about actual uh, – regular season games and basketball, uh, you know, I'll be excited to start having these podcasts a little more regularly and getting some, uh, you know, getting some good knowledgeable guests back on here like we did last season. And, uh, you know, it's just an exciting time for a basketball fan with the, you know, the season about to start. I know I'm uh, personally excited and I'll be at the Wells Fargo Center on Friday night for the home opener. Awesome. Well, this is all we got for this week, but uh, we'll catch you next time. Back in 1982, man, it was real cool in the school. If we got good grades, I straight up phase. The parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game, and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Thurman.
Remember Carl Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking freeze Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you wanna make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but feeling the fix Get on that road they call 676 The most expensive, expensive piece of business They be ever made of ain't famous But they got your game on, getting on 76 sir. 